0: to be here this evening, this Lord's Day. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter number 3. I must confess that I've started into this far too quickly. There's some groundwork that needs yet to be laid before we go back into the Ten Commandments and go over them one by one. So let us labor to do that this evening. First of all, in Isaiah 42, verse 21, the Bible says, The Lord is well pleased for His righteousness' sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. One man put it this way, that the first message of the cross is the law of God. My desire this evening and through this series is that the law would be rightly taught and preached and applied The hearts and consciousnesses of all in here that are lost would be pierced through by their guiltiness before the thrice holy God. Brought down into a low place of humility, knowing that there is no hope within themselves that they could be made right with such a high and holy God. and Not only by their active deeds of disobedience against God, but that they would realize the futility of their own efforts in, desire, in trying to make themselves right with God and trying to clean themselves up, that the lost would see that these attempts to clean themselves and make themselves blameless before God are all but hopeless. The desire being that when they're brought to this low state of self, seeing self as a vile and wretched and wicked sinner before holy God, That the law would be applied and seen used as a schoolmaster that would bring them to the feet of Jesus Christ. That they would cling to Him and Him alone. Abandoning all hopes of self. Abandoning inward and personal hope. And looking only to Christ. Christ alone. Hmm. Not only that, but for those that are saved, I desire through this... Uh, going through the law and reading the law and learning the law and expounding on the law, I pray that our desire would be self and and, and true holiness. True holiness in the fear of God. Self-piety. A pursuit to do that which glorifies God and God alone. Realizing that the law of God is our rule of Righteousness, our rule of truth, our objective standard by which we are to live our lives. It's not my desire to lead you into a moralistic, what they call therapeutic deism where I read you the law and you say, well, I'm good here, here, and here, and I feel good because I'm doing this right, and I feel good because I'm doing that right. Not to puff you up in your pride and then maybe you feel bad because you're doing bad in this area, but that you would see the law for what it is And that it would lead you to Christ in a closer relationship and a closer communion with Him. I desire through this to expound on and and show different systems of, of, of false religion and false practices that would try to blend the law and the gospel or those that would have a false view of the law or a false view of the gospel. I desire to get through those things and Lord willing we shall in the in the coming time the message of be good damn souls either to their pride or to hopelessness desire to stay away from that you cannot be good enough you are sinful you have sinned before almighty god and so faith with, or favor with god could never be earned by performance Never be earned by doing better or turning over a new leaf or trying to do this and that and cleaning up yourself. In Luke 18, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, Good Master, and Jesus said, Why do you call me good? None are good but God. And of course, He is God. But he asked the man, Why do you call me good? None are good but God. And then he went on to say, he says, Hey, tell me what I must do. Tell me what I must do to be perfect. he told him the law. And right after Jesus had just told him that none are good except God, this rich young ruler turned it around and said, Oh good, I do all those things, Lord. And then Jesus said, well, if you're perfect, leave all that you have. Sell all you have and come follow me. And he went away sorrowful because really, in fact, inside of his heart, he was not good. There was a foundational problem that in his heart was very wickedness against God. His heart was at enmity with God. God said, none are good. And he said, I'm good. None are good. Well, I'm all right. And that's the problem. Man thinks he's good enough. Man really thinks he's alright. Man has this idea that I don't need good news, I need good advice. I need a little extra help. I'm not as bad as Hitler, and if I could just get a little bit of help, I'd be a little bit better off, and everything would be alright. You don't need good advice, you need good news. And without the bad news of the law telling you that you are condemned before God, the good news of the gospel is pointless to you. Because you still stand there thinking that you're okay with God. This idea of cleaning yourself up, and then I'll come to Jesus, well, then you shall never come at all. As we heard this evening in the Scripture reading, I want you to notice something in the way and the order in which the law was given. Before the law was given to the people, God said, I am the Lord which hath brought you out of Egypt. I have done this, now do this. And so those that would try to blend the law and try to blend the Gospel together, they take the Gospel and they try to say, faith plus works equals salvation. When really that's not the situation at all. Faith alone in Christ is what saves a lost sinner. Faith alone. And that equals salvation and good works. Nor is it my desire to overcorrect and avoid this ditch of blending the gospel to go over to where we're in antinomianism, where we would just do away with the law altogether. The law has a good place. And these things are my desires as we go through this study. It's a little longer introduction this evening, but I do think these things are needful to be discussed as we enter into such a weighty topic want to look at this before we get into Galatians 3. We'll read a few verses here through verse 14. The Bible says this, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but that man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ We might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith this evening as the Lord would be our help. We will look through the first three verses. I want you to notice something before we dig into this. That there is a distinction between the law and the gospel. They are are distinct yet at the same time they are completely inseparable. Mm -hmm. You cannot have the one without the other to try and blend the law and the gospel is dangerous. So you must guard yourselves from that, but the distinction must be made between the two without separating them. There can be no true holiness of heart and life unless it come forth from faith and love. And no true faith unless the distinction be spiritually discerned between the two. A low view of the law leads to a legalistic religion. While a high view of the law makes the hearts of men tremble, Amen. hoping for the grace of God. A low view of the law leads to a high view of man and a low view of God. If a man's humanistic in his theology, then the law of God is nothing but a good suggestion. This humanistic thought will say things like, God ought to forgive man because man didn't ask to be born this way. As long as man gives his best effort and he tries to clean himself up and he tries to make himself better, well, God should see that and be okay with it. But that's very humanistic. They will say things such as, I'm not nearly as bad as so-and-so. I'm not nearly as bad as Hitler. I'm not nearly as bad as this one down the road or that one across the street. I believe myself to be a good person. This low view of God's law tramples on the grace of God. And you'll see in this text this evening that this low view of the law tramples on the very sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and counts the grace of God as nothing. This low view speaks highly of man disrespectfully and irreverently of God. If a man is God-centered in his theology... A high view of the law and a correct view of the law humbles his heart, humbles him to a place of service and love and he'll see the law of God and how he's condemned and he'll be thankful for the grace of God. And this thankfulness for the grace of God will draw him to closer obedience. So, there's those that say, well, I thought Jesus came to destroy the law and abolish the law. That we would answer, he did none of the such, none of the sort. He came to fulfill the law. And he was obedient to the law, and he had a very high thought of the law, and a very high view of the law. People will say, don't bring me under your legalism, don't tell me the law, don't try to oppress my heart and give me... This uh, uh, attack on my Christian liberty, not realizing that truly Christian liberty is being set free from the bondage of sin and having the law of God written on their hearts. Where now you have this intrinsic desire to follow God. This, This inner working of the Holy Spirit in your heart where this old law that you used to hate, now something's changed and now you love the law of God. And Christian liberty sets you free to serve God in happiness of heart. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Romans 3 and verse 31. So there's multiple ditches that people fall into. Furthermore, there are those who don't preach the law or the gospel, either one. I won't speak much on those. I think those are fairly obvious to point out and easy to see. But we will look at you know certain ones through and guarding us from looking into... Uh, or falling into different ditches, guarding from certain thoughts and ideas. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 17, uh, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. The wise guy will say, Well, Jesus came to fulfill, and that means to destroy. Okay, let me reread this to you. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to destroy. That makes no sense. And so he did not come to take away the law, he did not come to go away from the law. The idea that Jesus is a softer and kinder Moses, and that they, they, there's this idea today that the God of the Old Testament is some big, angry, scary, mean God, and now the God in the New Testament is some loving, gracious God. Listen, that comes forth from ignorance of the Scriptures. Amen. God does not change, God does not change Himself, there's nothing new about God. Amen. The law-gospel distinction rightly magnifies God's holiness, His justice, and His wrath, while, listen to this, at the same time, without contradiction, magnifies His grace, love, and mercy. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Psalm 85 and verse 10. And then I'll finish with this in our introduction. Declare, I say it this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. The law and the gospel are central to the entire Scriptures. They're central. The ordinances, the ceremonial laws given to Israel were in most parts taken from the second and fourth commandments even. These served as types and foreshadows of Christ. The judicial law finds its roots in the Ten Commandments. All warnings, either in the Old or New Testament, will be tied back to the law or the Gospel. If a man cannot see the distinction between the two, he cannot understand the first thing of Scripture. Not only this, but listen, those that don't understand the law, they don't understand the Gospel. If you don't understand the Gospel, you don't understand The law, as one man put it, besides of a speculative knowledge that true believers themselves have of the law and the gospel are superficial and indistinct, they'll often be in danger of mingling the one with the other, and they will in greater degree than can be conceived retard their progress in holiness as well as peace and comfort. Verse number one of our text this evening, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you the purpose in Paul's letter to the Galatians was threefold: firstly, he emphasizes the heart of the Gospel being justification by faith alone in Jesus Christ, secondly, there is a call to the Galatian church to prove their spiritual spirituality. By faith in Christ, whereby doing this and living in this manner, they will bear the fruit of the Spirit. Finally, to dismantle the false teaching and the false gospel of the Judaizers who would blend the law and gospel together. Paul firmly addresses this. In verse 16 of the the previous chapter, the Bible says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith of Christ not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And here as we look through here, this portion opens up with a sharp rebuke to the Galatians. And, and you can see His heart for these people and a, a tender love for these people and wondering in a, a, a shock and amazement. They had been taught the truth. And he opens, he says, O foolish Galatians. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the tender care in which Christ dealt with the disciples when He would say, O fools who are slow of heart to believe all things. And so we see here that, that Paul tells them, O foolish Galatians. There's, there's an amount of shock here. Paul charges them with their disobedience. What, what had they done that was foolish? They'd been bewitched, they'd been tricked, that you should not obey the truth. The truth of what? The truth of the gospel. And even more so that the heinous act that they committed was even more so disturbing because Paul and the apostles had, had labored so hard to teach them the truth. They had a good starting place. And he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? When you can see that now, and we'll get into the text and we heard it read momentarily ago, or a moment ago, you see that they had gone into this Judaizer, this, the Judaizer had come in and said you must be of the circumcision, you must follow the ceremonial laws, and had blended these things together and confused the Galatians. And really, as Paul and any Christian, if someone does this, we should be amazed as well. And you can kind of see his heart for this, that he's confused. He says, "Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? This is not some small thing that he's coming by to correct. This is not some small error. This is not something where they got confused on a little thing and now he's coming back and he's just correcting. No, they had gone away from justification by faith alone in Christ. And they begin to bring in the old, the ceremonial laws and the laws and blend the two together. And they were losing what had been so clearly taught to them. This ought to stir up a passion in any Christian's heart that someone would go into such a thing or teach such a thing. They've been bewitched by the madness of these Judaizers after enjoying the clearness of the gospel being so clearly taught to them, after enjoying such rich truth. And now they've gone away, gone awry. They did not obey the truth. After receiving the apostles' doctrine, Having the scriptures taught to them and now they've been bewitched. They've been brought away. They've been brought into something that was not true. And really, as we go through the law, that is my desire to to guard from falling into and being just like these. It would break my heart to have to say, Oh foolish y'all. It would break it would break my heart, and so let's guard our hearts from this. Who hath bewitched you? that ye should not obey the truth. There was those that crept in that were teaching foolishness. Paul appeals to the fact that Christ was evidently brought and set before them. He'd been displayed before them. Christ and Christ alone. They had no excuse. Christ had been taught faithfully to them. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth. He says even further, crucified among you, Christ. So, labored, or Paul, so labored to preach the truth to them that is, if they'd seen Christ crucified in the flesh, why had they gone away from justification by faith alone? Oh, foolish Galatians! Oh, foolish Galatians! This falling away to a lie was not from lack of clear instruction was not for lack of clear teaching and, and consistent teaching. To leave justification by faith in Christ alone, to enter into a covenant of works under the law, takes these people from a system of peace and assurance and happiness in the Lord Jesus Christ to bringing themselves back under bondage and back under fear. To go from saying that I am justified not because I deserve to be, not because I've worked this way, but I'm justified simply by the grace of God through faith in his Son, and having the peace and full assurance of Christ and all his blessings, to now they're brought back unto bondage and sin and fear. What a foolish place to be in. Could you could you really think of a more fitting term than oh foolish Galatians? Who who who, knowing the truth, would go back into bondage? Who has bewitched you? There must have been someone that had crept in and taught them, and he was may have appeared to be a sheep, he may have appeared like the rest, but inwardly he was a wolf. I say that to say this, that you ought to be very careful who you listen to. And you ought to be careful where you gather your knowledge from and whose teaching you sit under. Just because someone has a Bible in a suit doesn't mean they're telling you the truth. Doesn't mean they're preaching the Word. And so these people had crept in and pulled them away from what they'd been taught. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth. Paul's ministry, the sum and substance of his ministry was the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had labored tirelessly to preach and teach of Jesus Christ, his perfections, of his divine nature, the nature of his office as the mediator between God and man, to proclaim Jesus as the only fit and suitable sacrifice for sinners. To proclaim his grace. To proclaim the efficacy of his bloody sacrifice. And his imputed righteousness by faith alone. In other words, Paul cut no corners. Left nothing out of his efforts to teach. And yet they turned. He says, crucified among you just as though they had seen it, as if they had not been bettered off if they had been there when He was put to death. O, foolish Galatians. They'd gone away from the system of justification to mixing of the law. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. He goes on with his rebuke and he says, okay, listen, I have one question to ask you. Did you receive the Spirit of God by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? See, now he appeals to their personal experience. Did you receive the Spirit of God by the working of the law or by the hearing of faith? See, the law condemns us. The law condemns us and we'll see later on in the text as we... Whenever we get to that, the law is our schoolmaster that would lead us to Christ. That we might be justified by faith, but not by the works of the law. And so, do you receive the Spirit by the hearing of faith or by doing better and trying better and adding faith plus works? We think back to the Reformation when people came out of Catholicism. Why? It was on this doctrine of justification by faith alone. And here Paul is laboring to, to get them back to this correct understanding. Received ye the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? If you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, then you should be perfected by the works of the law. Then you should have peace by the works of the law. Then you should just be happy and healthy by the works of the law. And you should progress by the works of the law. But, if you receive the Spirit by faith, if you are converted by faith, then you should live with faith. Live with faith and faith alone. Faith in who? Faith in Christ. Surely there was a handful of things to ask, but this was most needful and this drove the point home. How did you come to be converted? Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Could it have been that the Galatians just obeyed and obeyed and obeyed? And so God said, well, they're really putting in a good effort. Well, they're really trying hard. I really see their effort and therefore I'll be gracious to them. No. No. If if that was the hope, if 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 we if we received favor with God and, and and the grace of God by our working, then that's no grace, and there's no hope for any of us. It's only by grace through faith in Christ. One brother said it this way: For if they could not obtain righteousness and life by the works of the law, then not the Spirit. Beside works done without the Spirit of God are but properly are not properly good works. For though by the law is the knowledge of sin, yet this leaves nothing but a sense of wrath and damnation in the conscience. It is the killing letter and administration of condemnation and death, and not of the Spirit and of life. This belongs to the Gospel. They had gone away from having distinction. The law brought them to Christ. The preaching of the law brought them to Christ. impossible then that anyone could be converted apart from Christ and Him alone false gospel being taught today even and you see it today all over come do better come do this come do that and be right And, and really what does that do but appeal to the flesh they weren't victims of hearing something they didn't want to hear this is something everybody wants to hear is what can I do Can I do better? Can I do this? Can I do that? How can I gain favor with God? If you'll trace it back, every false religion and every false system is traced back to what can I do? The law of God condemns us all and shuts every single mouth and we are found without hope before the Lord Jesus Christ in ourselves and of ourselves. Oh, but when it brings us down to this place, it it turns us to Christ and shows us His glorious and perfect sacrifice. In doing this, He calls them to examine their conversion. Then He says, Are you so foolish? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? If you've begun in the Holy Spirit, how are you going to be made perfect with the flesh? They began in the light of the glorious gospel. They began by the work of the Holy Spirit. They began by full dependence upon God. Now, how could they go back to flesh and keeping of the law to add to or try to perfect or make it uh, more beneficial for them? There's this idea being taught that Jesus Christ came to make salvation possible if you'll just do your part. But that's not the gospel. And that's what they were teaching. Yes, you've got to believe in Christ, but you have to do this, this, and this. If Jesus came to make salvation possible, He's not the Savior. No. He came to save sinners. That's right. Paul in another place said, This is a true saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, whom I am chief. If you mix these two together, then you bring Christ down and you blaspheme Him. And you make His sacrifice of nothing and you trample on His grace. You say, well, He's a good example. I needed a good example. And if I'll just follow after Him and I'll believe and then do my part, everything's fine. That's not the Gospel. Are you so foolish? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Having been converted, does uh, Christ, when He died on the cross, justification was accomplished. It's perfect without our help. There's nothing you can add to or take away from. Christ did it all. And having but gun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? See the problem here. Uh, the, tell, okay, now you got to be circumcised. Now you've got to do this, and now you've got to do that. And if you don't do these things, then you're not really fully saved. And we laughed at that. We said, "Well, we're not. We're not teaching that. I wouldn't believe something like that, friends." It's not just that. It's anything that you add to the faith of in Christ alone that is legalistic. That is blending the two. It doesn't just have to be ceremonial law. If you if you take anything and add it to faith alone in Christ, you've missed the entire thing. Amen. And that's why Paul is frustrated. That's why Paul is irritated because the law and the gospel are central to everything that he was teaching. and he labored to teach them. and they added to what he'd said. they started out, they had faith in God without confidence in their flesh. Their lives had been changed. They were made new in Christ. They had new desires. They had a new way of life. They lived with full dependence upon the Holy Spirit to give them the grace they needed to obey God and do what God had desired and to live a Christian life. As they were being conformed to the image of Christ, they'd wholly depended upon Christ alone for salvation and now they're going back and away. They received and they received with happiness what the apostle had said. And then these came in and bewitched them. How foolish after learning the truth to turn away. They set out with full dependence upon the Spirit and grace of God. And now in the end they're turning to the works of the law as if God needed their help. As if they just really needed a little boost. Christ plus my works. And that's not true. problem is, justification by faith in Christ alone that is taught in the Scriptures is complete in and of itself. It needs nothing added. And you shall not take anything away from that. I I said it earlier. Jesus did not come to make it possible. He came to save sinners. And anything that adds to His grace alone is to take away the Gospel. The lost don't need good advice. They don't need to stop making bad mistakes. You don't need to believe and then try to really do things that you don't like doing anyways and try to clean up yourself and try to, well, if I can just clean up the outside and I can get ready and then I can believe in God at the same time and Mm. uh, I'll just help God out. I know I need to do some things first and I just need to, if I can clean myself up a little bit and everything will be alright. Friend, you don't know the Gospel. And these Galatians had gone away from faith in Christ alone. If you're to be at peace with God, you won't find peace in turning over a new leaf. You won't find peace in going back to saying, well, yeah, the Lord did this great work for me, but now let me do my part and help Him out. There's no hope in that. But friend, there's all the hope that you'll ever need in Christ and Christ alone. Oh, foolish Galatians. we go back let's look back to Exodus 20 so we close this evening I understand this evening that we've talked about blending and trying to make distinctions I understand that there's the ceremonial law of God and there's the there's judicial laws and there's the, the moral law of God and we're looking at the moral law of God I do want us to make these distinctions and learn to make these distinctions as we go through. And as we've read this evening, we've looked at how detrimental it is to try to blend things and try to to blend the law or any amount of works into the Gospel. We've seen how terrible that is and how nasty of a thing that is. Friend, I want you to look at this. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Why do we follow the law? Why is the law important? Why do we follow the law? Because of what God has done for us. Not so that he'll bring us out, not so that he'll save us. He doesn't need our help, He, he didn't need their help. He brought them out and he told them what to do. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not commit idolatry. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not covet. And when you read those sayings, if you think that adding those things and doing these things plus Christ is going to give you any hope, let me tell you, friend, you've broken every one of those. You say, well, no, I've never had another God. I've never been a, a Buddhist or a Hindu or this or that or the other. What have you served in the place of God? Well, there you've broken the first law having no other gods before Him. You say, well, I've never committed idolatry. One man said it this way, that our hearts are an idol factory and we're just pumping out idols and this thing will follow after. And this thing in the common saying of the day is, well, I like to worship God this way. And I feel like God would be pleased if I worship Him that way. That's idolatry. When He says not to take His name in vain and that He won't hold the person guiltless that takes the name of the Lord in vain, His last name is not a four-letter word. We say, well, I don't say that one. Great. Well, how many times you use His name just loosely without reverence? You've taken His name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. When's the last time that you took a day of rest on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday for the Christian, being the day that the Lord has risen? When's the last time that you did something else instead of resting and worshiping the Lord? Oh, you broke the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Oh, have you ever disobeyed, dishonored your parents, been disrespectful to them? We've only made it through five, and I believe right now that all of our hearts could be rightly condemned. Amen. Thou shall not kill. I've never killed anyone. If you hated someone, Jesus said you're a murderer. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, I've never been with another. You looked with lust. And so we get through this. Well, thou shalt not steal. Well, I've never stolen anything. Well, how's your tithing and things? You know, are you stealing from God or are you are mm. stealing from others? Mm. Well, how have we robbed you, Lord? Amen. That's right. You say, well, Preacher, you're condemning me. That's the point. I, I hope that this really gets to our hearts and condemns us. That our pride would be dashed upon the rock. <coughs> I shall not bear false witness. Are you a liar? Thou shalt not covet. Newsflash, the American dream is counterproductive to the gospel. It's against the gospel. You don't have to have everything that the neighbor has to be happy. Mm -hmm. And if we take all these things, then we're all condemned before God. You're condemned. I'm condemned. How can you add works and find any hope in being right with God? These are not the ten suggestions. These are not a ten-step program because if they were, we all failed. But friend, listen to this. When Jesus Christ came, He obeyed the law of God. Hallelujah. God the Son in the flesh obeyed everything in our place. He never sinned, neither actively or passively. Right. And, and Paul had labored to teach these people that it is, it is Him. This man, Jesus Christ, who came into this earth, lived a sinless life, is perfect in all ways, has never broken the law. Not even in the thought. And I think right now to my very thought life. And it condemns me. Jesus never even had a bad thought. Not a one. And Jesus died an innocent death on Calvary's cross. Why do I say it? Because He didn't do a single thing to deserve it. And on that cross... God the Father poured out His wrath on His Son. You say, I don't believe it. Isaiah 53 says it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He poured out His wrath that we deserved on His Son who had done no wrong. And if you try to take this message that Jesus Christ plus anything, you don't know the Gospel or the law. On the cross, Jesus Christ suffered and bled and died for sinners. Yeah. And He accomplished their salvation for His people. That whosoever should call upon His name, He'll save them. Not through works that I have done. Not through trying to clean myself up. Right. Not through trying to do better. Not through believing that message that Jesus Christ died in my place plus me trying to do better. Plus me trying to work harder. Plus me being a good dad and a good husband and, and a preacher and this and that and the other. But simply through faith in His Son that He'd receive all the glory. Amen. On the third day he rose again. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, For God hath made Jesus Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Friend, the, the Galatians had mixed the law. They, they tried to do have Christ plus something. And that will never work. That will never be Okay. You'll never have peace. You'll never have peace with God through anything but His Lamb. And so as we read through the law, our hearts are condemned. But look to Christ, the sure hope. How foolish it is after hearing that message, that truth, the truth of God's Word, to be turned away to lies and heresy. The first message in laying the groundwork before diving further into the law itself, we see how blending the law and the gospel or works plus faith does great damage to the people of God. Does great damage to the preaching the gospel. The law and the gospel are of utmost importance. They're distinct yet inseparable. And if you don't understand the difference, try to blend them. Try to do one without the other. you will do great damage. You'll lose them both. Not only so, but you do a great injustice to Christ. And that you count as sacrifice as nothing. You count the gospel as a good starting place. And the law is good advice. And if you'll take both, then you're fine. My goal in this series to distinguish between the two, to rightly point out and guard against false teaching, false views and error, correctly teach and apply the, the law of God we've got to be careful we've got to be careful lastly what assurance listen to this but God who is rich in mercy this is Ephesians 2 and 4 but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved and hath raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might shew the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. then it says, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus Unto good works that God hath before ordained in them. We are careful not to blend the two, realize the distinction. Don't be as the Galatians, don't be as those that would try to add to what has been taught in the gospel. They are separate, but they cannot be separate from one another, they're distinct but inseparable. Be careful. We need them both, but do not blend them. You will not find hope in blending, but you'll find hope in a risen Savior. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would help us this evening. Lord, help us to rightly divide Your Word of truth and to follow after holiness. God, help us as we go through this. Teach us. Lord, keep us from the errors and the heresies of those that would try to add to what Christ has already done. Hmm. And help us that we wouldn't think that we'll be in a better standing or have more favor for this, that, or the other. But God, that we would trust in you and you alone. Father, help us to be obedient to the truth of the gospel. Faithfully teach, to faithfully witness, and to study and to learn and help us to learn and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. God, we need your help. God, we thank you for the law that's shown us our sin and made sin exceeding sinful, God. We thank you for the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. We thank you for Christ, what he's done for his people. Lord we love you because you first loved us in Christ's name. Amen.